guys, welcome to Trinity Church Online. For more information, please visit us at ourtrinity.org or you can find us on Facebook at Trinity Church of Wheat Ridge or even on Instagram at Trinity Church CO. No matter where you are today, we are glad that you have joined us here. I thought about going fishing and then just uh, having a video of me preaching today. <laughs> nah, that wouldn't work. Hey, I want you to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and you'll notice that the blue notes are there. Uh, so we are getting back into where you can take the notes uh, and the message and follow along with us if you want to. And I want you to turn there because before I get into the message, I was looking at this passage of Scripture, and I looked at verse 51, and I thought this would be an awesome sign to hang over our church nursery. They shall not all sleep, but they will all be changed. Okay. Great sign to hang over the nursery. Today we're going to be talking about conquering death here in the 15th chapter. Paul is ready now to wrap up this entire discussion that he's had in this chapter. This is the largest discussion, the most in-depth discussion of the resurrection in the entire Bible. And he's going to wrap it up by asking two questions. I want us to go to verse 55 and look at those two questions because I want you to be able to underline them. The first question in verse 55 is, O death, where is your sting? Underline that. Death, where is your sting? And the second question is, death or hell, Hades, where is your victory? Underline those statements. Death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory? Now the answer comes in different ways, depending on whether you have Christ or you don't have Christ. With Christ, death has no sting. Death has no victory. But without Christ, death has a sting, and death has a victory. Remember last week in our message, we were looking at the illustration of the resurrection according to nature, and we saw that the resurrection is like the planting of a seed, and that seed cannot stay the way it is. It has to come forth in life. And so the resurrection is this illustration of the planting and the growing of crops. So our lives, when they're sown, cannot come to life until it dies. Now I want you to think about that. That this body that you're in right now is not your eternal body. It has to die in order for you to take on what you're going to be for the rest of eternity. So now we're going to look at the fact you have to end, there has to be death, before there can be anything that begins to be new. So all of us are going to die, unless we're here when Jesus Christ returns, we're going to come to an end. So look at the person next to you and say, you're coming to an end. Just don't, you're coming to an end. Okay. That doesn't seem very, uh, very exciting, does it? But you know, the fact is, we're all going to come, and we have to come to an end. Now here's the question. What new thing will come from dying? What new thing is going to come from your dying? The corn seed looks one thing, but when it comes to full plant, it looks totally different. What new thing is going to come from your dying? Now, if you're in Jesus Christ, the new thing is going to be a spiritual body that's going to be raised to the presence of God and all eternal life. But if you're without Christ this morning... The new thing that you're going to be raised to is a spiritual body that's raised to the presence of Satan and hell itself. For the believer, 
death has no sting. It has no victory. But for the unbeliever, death has a sting and it has a victory. Let's go look at this passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, beginning reading at verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, just look at yourself a minute. Kind of pinch this. I know this is weird. This is flesh and blood. This cannot inherit the kingdom of God. you got to shed this thing if you're going to inherit the kingdom of God. We, we love these flesh and blood things. Man, we take care of them. We try to have them live along, you know, try to look young. We try to make them do all kinds of stuff. But this has got to go. Now, that might sound depressing, but that's what it says here. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption. How many of you here are sinners? Corruption cannot inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. I tell you a hidden truth. We shall not all sleep. We're not going to all die. But we're all going to be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that was written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell or Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, underline these words. Be steadfast. I'm going to come to them at the very end of the message. Be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we're just passing through. This world is not our home. Any more than it was your home. You return to your home. And Jesus, you're preparing a place for us, a home, eternal. And these bodies have got to go in order to inherit heaven. The old must pass away. The new must come. And the bridge to that is death. Death bridges the gap between the old and the new. So for us as believers, death is not something that we should fear. It's something that ushers us into something new. So Lord, bring us to this passage of Scripture about conquering death. For death's been conquered. But Father, if there's anyone here in the sound of my voice that's never come to faith in Jesus Christ, the sting of death still remains because sin still remains. They must receive Jesus. 
or they will be raised to face Satan to face eternal life without God. Lord, this is a serious passage of Scripture and a hopeful passage of Scripture. For believers, it will mean one thing. For unbelievers, another. So I pray that you'll speak to our hearts where we are in our walk with you about conquering death. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, someone once wrote, there's a preacher that shatters life with his message. Most people hate him. All people fear him. And that preacher's name is death. Every tombstone is his pulpit. And every newspaper prints his text. And someday, everyone will be his sermon. Every one of us, unless we're here when Jesus returns, will be death's sermon. Someone is going to stand over us and usher words that we have died. So Paul shares from four things in this passage of Scripture. He shares that there's a transformation, there's a triumph, there's a thanksgiving, and there's a testimony. And all of these have to do with conquering death. The first thing we want to look at is transformation. There is a transformation that conquers death. Look at verse 50 to 53. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit corruption. Behold, I tell you a hidden truth, a mystery. We'll not all sleep, we'll not all die, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on Immortality. So the resurrection body is not flesh and blood. How many of you will say amen to that? <laughs> it's not flesh and blood. See, the flesh and blood body, that's suited for the earth. But it decays. It wears out. It dies. That will not work for eternity. Can you imagine if you tried to take these bodies into eternity and they started decaying and dying and wearing out? They wouldn't work for eternity. It's not suited for anything but an earthly existence. It cannot inherit heaven as it is. It can't do it. See, even Christ's earthly body had to change before he could return to the Father. See, our human body is perishable. I don't have to tell you that. It won't do for eternity. It decays, it dies, it wears out. It aches, it hurts. It has to become imperishable. And if you look ahead and what we looked at last week, look back to verses 42 to 44 here. It says, so also is a resurrection of the dead. The body is sown. See, this is the idea that you sow the seed in the ground, but the seed comes up something different. Look at this illustration. So the body, it's sown in corruption, but it's raised as a new plant in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, but it's raised in a new plant in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. Well, what about those who are living when Christ returns? 
Paul tells them about the mystery here in verse 51. It's a hidden truth. Those living when Jesus Christ returns don't have to die. How many of you would love to be part of that? That would be great, wouldn't it? It may be closer than we think. But even though it does die, it still has to be transformed in order to inherit the kingdom. Turn over with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 17. I'm just going to read the 17th verse right now. I'll read a little more a little later on. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Everybody who's died, their bodies go to the grave, their souls go immediately into the presence of God. So when God comes with him, he's bringing those souls, and those souls have to be reunited with their bodies. And we who are alive... We are in this body, it hasn't died, but we also have to be resurrected together. And there's this great resurrection where we are changed. And the resurrection is when the body and the soul are reunited. Because you know what death is? Death is when the body and the soul are separated. You can tell me uh, death is when the brain is dead, when you stop breathing and you stop doing this. No, that's not death. Death is as soon as the body leaves the soul, you're dead. And the reunion of that body and soul is going to be at the resurrection. Now, there's a resurrection for the believers, and there's a resurrection for unbelievers. And I'm not going to tell you, you have to come to my class to find out what, when that all happens. And even then, you may still be confused. But anyway, we talk about that. So we're not going to all die, but we're all going to be changed. We're all going to be transformed in verse 51. Now, all believers, again, whether they have died or alive, are going to be raptured. That's the word parousia, caught up together to meet the Lord and be changed. We're going to be changed from the perishable to the imperishable, from the worldly to the unworldly, from the natural to the spiritual. Now, this transformation, it says here, is going to be in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. The German word is Augenblick. Just like that. I want you to think about this, because this transformation is not going to be a process. It's not going to be done in hours or minutes, or days, or weeks, or years. This trans as soon as Jesus appears and we're caught up together with him, it's instantaneous recreation. I want you to think about that word. Instantaneous recreation. You were created when you were born in your mother's womb. Now you're going to be recreated into a spiritual body. No amen? amen. Only because I asked. Look, the transformation, the transformation is going to occur at the last trumpet. So when that trumpet sounds, the transformation is going to take place. Again, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord. And so we shall be ever, does it say in heaven? How's that end? With the Lord wherever he is. I don't care if he's in heaven, on earth, or wherever he is, we will forever be with the Lord. John 14 
I've quoted this so many times during this, this series, but I'll quote it again. Let not your heart be troubled, especially if you're worried about dying. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, many mansions, and I'm preparing a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. For I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. During, during the Civil War, though an entire army had to spend a night out in the field without any tents. All they had were blankets. Hundreds of men just laying under blankets. Well, that night, it snowed about three inches. And the next morning at dawn, it looked like hundreds and hundreds of new graves all over that field. And then Reveille started. And it sounded, and the trumpet blew. And all these men, all of a sudden, were throwing off that snow, throwing off their blankets and beginning to stand to their feet. And the chaplain remarked, it reminded him of this passage of Scripture, we will all be raised. So has that picture in your mind? One of these days you're going to, hopefully, the unsaved are going to see the graves open. They're going to see us walking around all of a sudden we're going to be gone. Let us all be ready. Again, why must this transformation take place? Look at verse 53. Because that which perishes, that which is subject to decay, has to become imperishable. It has to not decay anymore. This mortal, every one of us are mortal right now. But you know what? We're going, to be, we're going to be better than all the Marvel characters put together because one day we're going to all be immortal. Because see, this mortal must put on immortality. That means we will never die again. Let's go to the second thing. So transformation conquers death. The second thing, number two, is triumph. Let's look at the triumph that conquers death. Look at verse 54. To 56. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying which was written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where's your sting? O death or hell, where's your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is in the law. So Jesus Christ's resurrection broke the power of death for those who have trusted him and believe in him. Isaiah spoke of this triumph, and he quotes Isaiah here. He, the Lord of hosts, will swallow up death for all time. And then Paul quotes Hosea here in verse, uh, chapter 13. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? See, Jesus bore all of death's sting. How many of you have ever been stung by a bee or a wasp? How many of you have ever had that stinger stay in you? See, Jesus bore our stinger. He took the stinger of death upon himself. As you stop and think about that, Jesus became our stinger. And that stinger is death. 
He died the death we should have died. He became our sin. He didn't take my sin. He became my sin. And that sting of that death is sin. See, you have the stinger, which is death, but the sting of it, the thing that causes the pain, is sin. Now, for the believer, death is not gone, but the sting of death is gone. Where sin has been removed, death can only end the earthly life and at best usher us into a life without the stinger. For the unbeliever, death still has the stinger. Sin still remains. That's why they're condemned. Something has to remove the stinger of sin and death from you or you'll never be transformed for heaven. And it says here in verse 56, are you with me so far? The power of sin is in the law. I want you to see that because it's going to pertain to all that we're seeing going on in the streets today. The word power here is the word strength. And some of your translations may say that. It says the strength of sin is in the law. See, God's word, I want you just to hold this. This word, this law, reveals God's standards. And when those standards are broken, then they reveal our sin. See, we would not even know what sin was unless we had the standard of the law, unless we had God's word. There'd be no way to measure any sin. And that's exactly what society wants right now. They don't want any law. They want to be lawless. They don't want the word of God. They don't want the standards of the word of God. So they can take over city blocks. So they can blame all this that's going on and all this chaos on, on, on tyranny and destruction. But really the case and the issue is they don't want law. They don't want anyone to tell them what to do. They don't want a standard. All they want is to do what's right in their own eyes, which is anarchy. They don't want to be accountable. Now, I'm going off being a pastor for a minute, and I don't know how I can do that, but I'm going to try. And I'm not preaching, now I'm just saying. Oh boy, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I'm going to do it. Because I'm still your preacher, I can't avoid that. But you know what the best thing our president can do to Seattle right now, to those eight blocks? If they want to be an independent, cut them off. Don't go in with military. Take away their cell phones, take away their power, take away their sanitation, take away everything, everything they have is a privilege of being in America and let them stand on their own and see how long they'll last. They won't. They won't. I'll step back into my pulpit a minute now. But what about those who do not know God's law? How about those people who have never heard this word? Romans 2 gives us the answer. 
Let's go look at Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 says, For when the Gentiles, who do not have the law, by nature do the things that are in the law, you know our whole constitution, our whole way of law is based upon the Word of God. Did you ever know that? Ever go back and study that? It's all upon the principles of inalienable right, the rights that God gives to free men and women. But it says, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a lot of themselves who show the work of the law written where? In their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness between themselves and the thoughts accusing or else excusing them. You have a conscience, but that conscience can be seared and it can be defiled. But you still hold accountable to that conscience, even if you've never heard the word. So anyone who goes against their conscience or against the word of God goes against God's law. That brings us to the third thing. So we have this triumph. The third thing that we have is thanksgiving. I'm waiting for the third thing to come up. <laughs> thanksgiving that conquers death. Look at verse 57. But thanks. Would you underline that word? You mean right now? The coronavirus and all this demonstration, all this lawlessness and all this stuff going on. And, and, yeah. But thanks be to God who gives us the defeat. Is that what it says? I'm just seeing it here out there. Is that what it says? No, it says that gives us the what? Victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, because Jesus' life was sinless, he fulfilled the law. Only one who ever did, only one who ever could, the only one who ever will. His death conquered sin. Now, like Paul, folks, we should be giving thanksgiving to the one who has paid our price, who has paid the penalty, who transformed our bodies from that which is perishable to that which is imperishable, who triumphs over sin and death. How about just giving God a great thanksgiving right now? Thanks, God, for doing that in my life. Okay, that was just super, man. That just blew him away. We could never, we could, we could have never done this for ourselves. God has done it through Jesus Christ. We cannot live sinlessly and thus fulfill the law. We cannot remove sin once we have committed it. We cannot remove the consequences of sin, which is death. So on our behalf, I want you to get this now, on our behalf, Jesus lived a sinless life for me. Jesus fulfilled the law for me. Jesus removed sin by paying the penalty, my penalty, my stinger. And Jesus conquered death by raising from the dead and has promised that I will conquer death because he will raise me from the dead if I have faith and believe in him. So this, you know what this means? We should live a life of thanksgiving and gratitude. Oh, I'm so, I'm locked up. I can't do this. I got to wear a mask. I got to... Oh, yeah, that's true. But let's turn it and look at what you have to be thankful for. He's taken our curse. He's taken our condemnation. And he gives us victory. And he gives us a place to live with him forever. I want to go to a couple, couple passages of Scripture. And after each Scripture, I want you to just say, Amen, thank you, Jesus. Let's just practice that. Amen. All right. <laughs> Man, you're there now. Let's go to, to Revelation chapter 20. It just took a while. Let's go to Revelation chapter 20. And after this little statement, I want you to say those words. Revelation chapter 20, 
verse 14 says this, Then death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's go. That's kind of cool. Let's go to Revelation 21, and let's look at verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There should be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Can you imagine those who have gone on to heaven? No more tear. No more death. No more pain. No more crying. Because the former things have passed away. Amen? Amen. Amen. So this transformation, this triumph, this thanksgiving gives way to one last thing. The testimony. The testimony that conquers death. Guys, this is the most... Really get a hold of this now. Look at verse 58. Therefore. See, whenever you have a therefore, you've got to go back to see why the therefore is therefore. He's laid this all out. Because of this transformation, because of this triumph, because of this thanksgiving, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, underline that, immovable, underline that, always abounding, underline that word, in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now see, if we believe this transformation, and if we believe this triumph, and if we're giving thanks to God for what He has done on our behalf, then we should prove it by the way we live our life. Let me say that again. We should prove it by the way we live our life. We should have a testimony. So be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Steadfast means to be seated. It means to be settled, to be firmly situated. That should be our testimony. I am settled. I am firm. I am not moving. That's my testimony. Immovable means immobile, motionless, not moving from God's word, not moving from God's will. That should be our testimony. I'm not wandering from God. I'm not wandering from His word. I'm not wandering from His will for my life. Then, Abounding, oh, get a hold of this word. Abounding means exceeding his requirements. Exceeding the requirements. Not just getting by by the skin of your teeth, just seeing what you can do to get by. Exceeding the requirements, overflowing, overdoing. He says, out of your being shall flow, overflow. Not this little trickle that you sometimes barely can see it. It should be overflowing. Overdoing. See, that's our testimony. So many Christians, and I'm not saying you, I'm just saying so many, as I look across the board, across our nation, they work, they pray, they give, they serve as little as they can just to get by. How can we be satisfied with the mundane? How can we be satisfied with the trivial? How can we be satisfied with the insignificant, the short-lived things of this world? Because it's passing away. It's dying. It's decaying. Let's live for those that, things that are going to live for eternity. God, people, and His Word. They last forever. Spend your time there. How can we say, let's take our ease in Zion? 
when so many are dying spiritually. They need edification. They need exhortation. They need encouragement. How can we say, well, I've done my time. I've done my part. Now it's time for somebody else to let others do the work. See, leisure and relaxation are two great idols that so many people are bowing their knees to. Now, don't get me wrong. I like recreation, and I like leisure. They, they recharge your batteries. They, they help you to increase your effectiveness, but they're easily becoming ends in themselves where we don't live for work. We live for pleasure, and we live for leisure, and we live for the weekend. You can hear it all over the place. Oh, I can't wait. Now, you know, TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Is it, did I got that wrong? Yeah, there I go. I knew I didn't quite have that right. Some of you are still there. That's cool. That's great. Hey, let's remember. One day we're all going to be resurrected. Let's remember what Jesus said. I told my class we're going to end in Revelation. I'm going to quote Revelation 22, verse 12. Behold, it's Jesus. Behold, I'm coming quickly. And my reward is with him. When he comes, his reward's coming with him. To render to every man according to what he has done. Behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to render to everyone what they have done. Five talents, three talents, one talent, the wicks trimmed. Let's pray. Father, you've conquered death. For the believer to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and one day you're going to bring them with those of us who are alive and remain. We'll be caught up together and we will be transformed. No longer will we have pain and sorrow and tears. No longer will we decay and fall apart and die. We will be forever with the Lord changed. And Father, if there's anyone who's not given their life to Jesus, to say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. They will die in their sin and it will condemn them and send them not to heaven in the place that God has prepared, but to hell and the place Satan is waiting there for. This is real stuff. So Lord, We would pray that we would be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in your work. That until we die for the day you raise us up together, that we will be found faithful, fruitful, even in our old age, Jesus. That we would be active and productive all the days of our life. In your name we pray, amen.